a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. All right, yes, it's politics time here. It's Monday morning, it's half past eight. I'm joined by John Moore. Morena, John. Kia ora koutou. How are we doing, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. Right, we weren't on air last week, of course, because it was the Queen's birthday. Not that it is actually yeah. the Queen's birthday, but, yeah. you know, you've got to have... Uh, Fake con- news. Yeah, that's right. But you have, to have, well, you have to have continuity, and sooner or later it's going to be the King's birthday. Mm. And it will be on the same day. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. And everyone's going to, you know, those that don't know are going to think, wow, the Queen had her son on, 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 her, on her birthday. <laughs> Gee, that's amazing. My auntie actually had my cousin on her birthday. They got the same, the same oh. birthday, yeah. Mm. Yes, very yeah. well. Anyway, the, the budget, Budget 2019, the wellbeing budget was released just over two weeks ago uh, with the government wanting people's wellbeing to be at the heart of the, its economic decision-making. But was it wellbeing, uh, was it well-meaning, or was it well... That was shit. Yeah, I guess the jury's still out. Uh, there's lots of new analysis of the budget still coming in. And, and when you're dealing with, with figures uh, and the way that the government uh, presents these figures, it can be quite confusing about what, what in real terms, what are the increases in spending? Uh, um, is, is it uh, increasing the spending just meeting, say, um, uh, increases in population and in uh, adjusting for inflation, uh, and also there's a, there's a general sort of, I would argue, a dishonesty going back to Bill English when he was finance minister, where where governments now present figures in terms of five years, so it sounds a lot more than it actually is, uh, and of course it's the role of the media and political pundits like us to to break those figures down. I I would say that uh, in terms of how this budget is conceptualised, yeah, it does represent a, a kind of radical shift. And, and what a budget is meant to be about. Um, so it, it, I guess it presents a, a new philosophical conception of what, it, what a budget should be uh, based on, uh, that it's not just about economic figures and economic growth, but it's also about producing a fairer society. Um, and so if you look at the government's budget side, they have quite a lot of details as well, worth a lot, by the way, a lot of details about what a well-being budget is. Uh, and, and they state that you know just because the country is doing economically well doesn't mean that its people in general are better off. Uh, and it argues this has been the case for New Zealand, with too many people being left behind or left out. And so the government sees this wellbeing budget, or is presenting this wellbeing budget, as a way to more evenly share the benefits of of, of a strong and growing economy, but does it live up to the rhetoric? And uh, um, if we look at a lot of the, the figures, um, um, it, it, and if we look at a lot of people who are experts in areas of education, health, mental health, etc., uh, uh, there's general disappointment from lots of different sectors, whether it's trade unions, whether it's environmental groups, whether it's um, uh, groups um, working with um, the poor. Uh, there's general disappointment at, at the amount of money that has been splashed out. The amount of money has been splashed out, but not on them, um, which yes. is always the problem with a budget, though. Is it revolutionary, John, or is it just the leftist budget? Um, 
I think, again, in terms of, of, of how it's framed philosophically, it's, it's, it does represent a radical shift, and it could force future governments, so if, you have, if we have a future national-led government, it could force those future governments to also um, frame their budgets in terms of well-being and, and, and in terms of fairness. So it is, in that sense, it does represent a radical shift, uh, especially if it, if it carries on into the future. Is it left-wing? Uh, no, not, it's not economically left-wing at all. The government uh, has committed itself to very conservative uh, fiscal responsibility rules, uh, where it wants to keep public spending at 28.8% of GDP by 2023. Um, and that might, uh, that figure does is pretty meaningless to most people who don't follow economics. But we've got to remember that a, a, a large number of developed nations, you know, at a similar economic level to New Zealand, spend up to 40% of GDP, if not more. So there is the argument for this to be a truly left-wing budget and to be actually a really a well-being budget, it requires substantial increases in spending, which means a greater tax uh, intake. And this government uh, being pretty clear, especially with its dropping of um, all talk of a capital gains tax, it's pretty clear that it doesn't really want to uh, tackle that question of tax and increasing tax overall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we, let's start. Um, well, we, we are a um, university station. What was yes. it for the students? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Doesn't uh, seem like a lot. Yeah, if we look at the representatives of, of, of tertiary students, so for example NZUSA, the New Zealand University Students Association, they have stated that they feel let down by the budget, uh, and so they're particularly disappointed about the government's failure to commit to restoring the postgraduate graduate student allowance, as it promised in elections, and at removing uh, age discrimination in terms of loans as allowances. So that's what NZUSA wanted and the government hasn't given it. Um, however, uh, one, arguably one big plus uh, in terms of education is that the government's giving for decile one to seven schools, uh, and remember deciles are all about the, the sort of socio-economic standing of the community attached to that school. Um, uh, for, so for deciles one, which is the lowest, to seven, uh, there'll be a, a move to basically ban um, schools putting pressure on parents for voluntary donations and that will be met by increased funding per student. Um, so on the face of it that's definitely um, a boost um, and uh, yeah um, I guess the staff uh, in, in um, secondary and primary uh, areas of, of school in New Zealand will be disappointed in that their calls for substantial increases in, in salaries aren't being met. Um, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, and yeah, overall there's increases in funding, but again, it's um, it's because of increases, projections of increases in population, uh, and. Um, Often increases in funding seem more uh, sexy in a, in a sense than they actually are. Yeah. Well, they're going to be building, like, what was it, a couple of thousand more classrooms or something like that. Yeah, and, and there's a real need for that, especially with, yeah, again, with um, uh, population increases and also um, uh, the Ministry of Education, uh, 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 along with um, statistics, will take account of what are the likely projections of increases of students at each age group. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the, a couple of strikes have been cancelled by the teachers, uh, and they're going into talks, I think, this week with the Minister uh, of mm. Education. Chris so Hipkins. I, yes, Chris Hipkins. And I, I, and I wonder with this budget and how they did hold back, there's a couple of reasons why they might have, and I wonder if one of them is, is so they can clean up and clear out uh, these, these strikes and get things back rolling. Uh, so I guess we'll have to wait and see with that as well. But, yeah, um, and there's a surplus, that, um, uh, I think it's $1.9 billion, that, that does allow for some extra spending that might not that hasn't actually come up within yeah. this budget. Um, I guess one big question for students is the whole free education promise. Uh, and so that seems to be all up in the air now. Of course, there's funding for um, first-year students to um, uh, not have to pay fees, uh, but the government promise to sort of roll out free education uh, um, uh, past 2020, uh, there's no indication in this budget that um, that the government is still committed to that. Of course, it doesn't have to put that um, commitment in the budget as such, but um, the, I would argue all the indications from Grant Robertson are that possibly they won't be rolling out that policy mm-hmm. to make education free for three years, but we'll have to wait and see. We will, we will. All right, let's look at uh, health. Um, I mean, health, I guess, well, especially mental health, was um, shown to be the big winner on the day. Mm. And I guess that, that that's on the face of it where the, the rhetoric of well-being uh, lives up to reality in terms of the, the, the um, on the face of it, the substantial amount of money that has been put into mental health and, and the concern that's being placed on, on the mental well-being of New Zealanders. Uh, so I think it's, it's $1.9 billion over five years. Of course, uh, again, it will be good to see uh, more critical analysis from economists uh, in, in future weeks about what that actually means in terms of an increase, like how much of an increase it is, is it actually in terms of what is being spent on mental health at the moment. And there's been some concern and some criticism that um, part of this increase is coming from current uh, funding for uh, district health boards. So the district health boards are, are basically being told, OK, you've got to spend this amount of money on mental health, uh, so inevitably they'll have to decrease spending in other areas. Well, that doesn't sound good at all, John. No, but that's, a, that's only, only a, a component of the... Um, of the uh, of the story of how DHPs will have to fund for mental health. So it's not that um, there will be a, it, it seems there will be a real increase in funding for mental health uh, but some of it will come from current expenditure uh, and current funding of DHPs. Yeah. Well so, when it, when it yeah. comes to like mental health and, and schools and stuff like that because it was, you know, it seemed like there was such a, a lack of investment over the course of the last couple of governments um, um, you know, Labour's, well, the government's got an issue here of having to fix uh, broken systems. Is that, um, you know, is that weighing down on um, putting money into other areas? Um, yeah, I think that that, that that is a fair enough um, argument that uh, the previous national-led regime did um, arguably underfund in a whole lot of areas. It certainly didn't have that focus on mental health. Um, so... Um, yeah, that, that's uh, one one argument that the the government's having to do a catch up in a whole lot of areas, including in rail, for example. Yeah. Um, the the counter argument that the government's limiting itself 
in terms of its fiscal responsibility rules, where it really needs to increase its amount of income, and uh, both through increasing tax taxes, for example, and through borrowing. Uh, and, and this government and Grant Robertson, the finance minister, just seem not prepared to go down that road. Yeah, they, I mean they are. Um they are predicting a mass, a pretty big increase in um, intake over the course of the next fiscal year. I think several billion dollars. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens mm. there too. Uh, and that will be good just in time for election year uh, as well yes. when it comes to, to that. Um, right, transport, you did mention something there about rail. There's going to be a, a, a bit of an investment in Kiwi Rail as well. Yeah, and it's significant investment, and um, uh, of course, uh, um, the legacy of rail in New Zealand is all a bit of a disaster story, going back to um, um, the late 80s, early 90s, where rail was sold off, um, um, and in the hands of of, of private enterprise, it was completely run down to the point where the government bought it back for a dollar. (laughs) <laughs> because it was more of a, a liability than a, a great asset for the government to take hold of. And so this is really, again, yeah, you can see it as a catch-up. Um, and it's also um, it's something that New Zealand First has pushed particularly hard on, uh, that it wants uh, investment in rail as a way of boosting uh, the province's uh, economic growth in, in the provinces. Yeah. Uh, which I think is is a good idea, and of course, um, one of the places that is um, screaming out for it the most is Northland, uh, which works out yeah. quite well for um, for NZ First. Yeah, and we'll have to see how uh, how that money is allocated. But I think uh, the New Zealand First ministers and Shane uh, James will have a big say in how that and how that increase significant increase for rail will be actually divided out. What about housing, John? Like, uh, you know, Kiwi Build, it seems like a bit, of, a, a bit of a dead duck now. Was there anything in the budget for fixing that issue with Kiwi Build? No, to, to, to my knowledge and from what I've read, it's not even addressed. Um, so uh, uh, Kiwi Build um, ostensibly is just going to continue on as it is. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a huge embarrassment for the government uh, in terms of what a failure it has been. Um, uh, in terms of, there is, um, this budget does address homelessness, so there, there is an um, increase in funding directly for those defined as homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in terms of people who, uh, who do have homes or who, who are renting, for example, especially for those renting, uh, this budget doesn't seem to address that problem with, with high rents uh, for people who are on um, relatively low incomes or on benefits and, and are really struggling because of the, the cost of, of rentals. Yeah, well, but it's it is good addressing the homelessness issue because I mean, I, I guess it was it was uh, the big big theme of a couple of years ago, mm. uh, you know, and it seems like a long time ago now where homelessness was right in the front of the picture mm. of New Zealand's minds, uh, and it's kind of died off again. But the problem hasn't gone away; it's just you know, no. news reports on a thing for a while, and then it kind of dies off, and something else pops up. Um, so it's it's. Good that finally, something is finally being done about that. Um, the Labour did come in and promise a lot, and then it ended up spending a lot more on hotel, motel units and the like than uh, they ever expected to. Um, so I think that one was a little bit, um, it went a little bit deeper than they thought. 
Um, right, um, what, what's business saying here? I mean, this is all well-being budget, all well-being for the populace, but what about the corporate side of things? Um, in terms of the corporate sector, um, there are some criticisms of this budget, but they're pretty half-hearted. Uh, uh, there's no substantial critique coming from any sectors of, of business at all. Um, so if we look at Business New Zealand, which is the largest business advocacy group, um, they actually state that there's lots of positive things for business in this budget um, uh, in terms of focus or the spending uh, on development and support for new business um, initiatives. Um, and so, yeah, so that, for example, the chief executive, Kirk Hope of Business New Zealand, uh, has said that the focus on innovation, research and skills uh, will help uh, businesses um, develop. Um, now, the New Zealand Initiative, uh, which is basically the old business roundtable, um, um, merged with a, um, a think tank. Um, traditionally, the business roundtable uh, was very far-right economically uh, and pushed for a very sort of hard line on very small government, very limited government intervention. So you'd expect the New Zealand Initiative to be quite critical of, of this budget in terms of increased spending, but again, it's not. Um, its main criticism is that um, they're saying that this budget is, is, is all fine, uh, but but Treasury is in crisis, uh, that, that we can't trust uh, um, um, Treasury in terms of how it is uh, analysing government spending and in, in terms of, of how it's um, identifying the cost benefit of, of um, increases in government spending. So it, it focuses mainly on the actual crisis within um, Treasury itself. Interesting. But, I mean, I guess you wouldn't really want to knock back some a budget that's looking at uh, fixing some issues uh, around things like mental health. I mean, you, don't want to, you wouldn't want to come out and say, well, you're putting a little bit more, too much money. No, it's not, it wouldn't be a good look. <laughs> it wouldn't be uh, a good look at all. And I, think, I think representatives of the business sector are very conscious uh, that there's actually huge levels of hostility towards um, uh, business representatives that, that try to actually um, um, dictate government policy. Um, so so the, the New Zealand initiative is a very different beast to the old business roundtable, where the old business roundtable was quite blatant in saying that the government needs to cut back in this area, cut back in that area, um, uh, create a, um, uh, an economy with the least amount of, of government intervention possible. Mm. Um, business representatives now, uh, yes, they're very cautious to... to to criticise um, uh, government intervention in the economy. Um, yeah. All right, what about uh, the union? a real shift there. Union saying anything? Um, yeah, the uh, Council, trade, Council of Trade Unions, which is basically the umbrella group for the majority of trade unions in New Zealand, it's been um, cautiously positive about this budget. So Richard Wagstaff, who's the CTU, Head has said that this budget takes a step in the right direction and, and, and praises its people's focused um, agenda. However, um, the CTU is 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 really quite critical of the government um, restraining itself with its budget responsibility rules in terms of what percentage of GDP it can spend and, um, uh, and, and, and limits to how much it can borrow. So it seems pretty clear that CTU would like the government to drop those 
budget responsibility rules. Yeah, I mean, the, the budget responsibility one's always been an interesting one for me because, yes, there is a lot of money there and we do, you know, and, and there's a lot of issues. But then the other the other flip of the coin there is we live in this, um, you know, capitalist society uh, where every 10 years or so the bubble will burst and governments will be in trouble. Yeah, that's a real possibility. I mean, it's, uh, it's always hard to know when the bubble's going to burst again, but... Uh, um uh, leading think tanks throughout the world seem to be predicting it all the time. But. Yeah, every, well, they say every, something like every seven years. I mean, you think about the doc. There was a dot com bubble around the turn of the century. Then there was mm. two thousand and eight. Uh, you know, it seems like we're a little bit late for one now. Um, they've had a bit of a burst in the property market in Australia, especially in Perth, um, where property values just plummeted. Uh, and you know, it looks like you know, this same kind of things can mm. happen here. So who knows? Um, just quickly before we go, uh, will it be a vote winner? I think so. Uh, I, I think the government's been very astute in, in, in projecting this as a new form of budget that that is, that is people-centred, uh, and especially the focus on mental health, I think, will be a real vote winner. And it, as you said, that um, uh, no one's criticising the increased spending on, on, on mental health, whether it's the opposition or whether it's the business sector. Um, there's general uh, praise for that increased spending. There have been two polls that have just come out, um, uh, the TV3 News Hub Read Research Poll and the One News Colmer Brunton Poll, uh, very confusing in that they uh, seem to be saying two completely opposite things. Mm. Um, uh, but the News Hub poll indicates that um, support for Labour has dramatically increased to just over 50% now. So on that basis, Labour could rule on its own. Um, um, so that's sort of going back to uh, the days when the National Party under John Key was the most popular. Um, and however, the One News Colmer Brunt poll shows Labour on 42% and National ahead of Labour on 44%. Um, but the News Hub poll has been the most accurate in the past, and it was certainly the most accurate before the last election. Uh, it pretty much got it right. And the whole sort of trajectory over the last sort of half year has been, uh, or since Labour um, formed the government, has been for its support to, to gradually increase and for this and for the support for Jacinda Ardern to sort of gradually increase to the point where now Labour is the most popular party in New Zealand. Interesting. Uh, and finally, um, saving for 2020, um, you know, they're looking to the future, I think, uh, with this as well. I think there's going to be a lot more coming out in election year uh, next year. So mm. um, look ahead um, and I wonder what, you know, what will we see, you think? Um yeah, I guess uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Labor does push through with that policy of education for mm-hmm. three years for students. Uh, and I think um, NZUSA and, say, OUSA um, here at the University of Otago, if they push hard on this issue, uh, then that could still be a goer. Um, and I, I think the government has to address the housing crisis. So it's addressing it in terms of um, homelessness, uh, but the, the, the wider problem of, of housing being unaffordable, it needs to come up with a better policy than Kiwi Build. That's very true. So I think it will. It will uh, uh, try to come up with a better policy, but we'll just have to wait and see what that is. Well, good things take time. Government's not easy. No.
No, it's not. No. We'll see what True. happens. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a lolly scramble next year, so I think there might be some of it for a lot of people, because a lot of people have been complaining, there's nothing in it for me. But that's the issue, right? I mean, budgets need mm. to stop being about the individual, be start being a bit more about the collective and people's minds. Mm. Um, all right, John, thank you so much. That's okay. Talk to you again tomorrow morning. For sure. Cheers, mate. All right, see ya. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.